Welcome to Road to Play Podcast. I am your game master, Kent Blue. We are an actual play podcast where I play tabletop role-playing games with my friends from all over the world. So if you're ready, grab a player sheet, grab some dice, and let's roll to play. What's up, everyone, and welcome back. To Rotoplay Podcast, a proud member of the Rotoplay Network. I'm your host and game master, Kent Blue. Alright, folks, we've reached it. This is the finale of We Die Here. Our story in Cliffsdale, South Carolina is coming to a close. This whole game has been so special to me. It, it has made me think differently about how I run games and the type of games I want to run. Just I approach everything differently now because of this game, uh, and I'm so grateful to Steffi Devon for for reaching out to me and recommending this game back in our back during our horror month of October. Uh, it's just I couldn't I, I haven't connected with a game better in a long time. It's just exactly the type of game I love, telling strange stories in strange small towns because I come from a strange small town myself. Uh, there's elements of it in Cliffsdale, so this experience has just been amazing. You can pick up your own copy of We Die here on DriveThruRPG. I've got links to that in the show notes. It also goes out whenever we drop this episode on Twitter. I link to it there. You should definitely consider going and being a backer of Steffi and Liz Shapratical's Patreon, where they are creating all kinds of new games all the time. Uh, there's, there's just amazing game content coming out from them, and I'm really excited to see what they're doing in the future. So go over to the Patreon, and if you can, give it a back or support, or whatever it is on Patreon. Become a patron of it. Okay, this game would not exist if not for my wonderful players, Kristen, Trevor, Kate, and Jay. To you all, thank you so much. I say it every week, you all put so much into this game and gave me so much stuff to play off of that it it made it what it is. So this game was special because of you all, and I look forward to many more games in the future with all of you all. All right, so coming up after this, we have another game that's going to kind of be horror. Uh, it's a little more adventure horror. I'm not quite ready to say what it is yet. I'm going to hold that in my back pocket for a little bit, but I'm really excited about it. It's 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 going to be a great time with some great new players, uh, some voices you've heard before, but probably not in a little while. All right, uh, I think I've said everything I need to say. Thank you all for listening and supporting Rotoplay Network and Rotoplay. I hope you're checking out other shows on our network. We have some great ones out there. Uh, go to rotoplaynetwork.com to see that. But from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everyone who listens and have, have helped grow this show from a little thing I did out of the corner of my bedroom to just this bigger network of shows and i've connected with so many friends and it's just it's improved my life greatly and that is because of all of you out there listening all right now that we've got all that out of the way let's get into this finale of we die here where it's miserable and people make choices and some horrible horrible stuff happens so let's get into it we die here with kate 
Jay, Kristen, and Trevor. Our Alice spirals backwards. She like throws herself off the cliff. And so the propane tanks, as she goes upside down into like a basic like backflip, basically as she starts to fall, the propane tanks like flash past her and carry her down. And they carry her weight down into the water backwards. And she just puts her hands up, goes like this, takes a huge deep breath through her mouth, and then braces. And when she hits the water, the tanks make a huge splash. She goes jackknifes right in the middle spreads the water with her hands as she pushes in and then like just rough exhale through the nose as she comes up and surfaces for one more breath before she starts going down because those tanks are going to sink. All right. So we will leave you two right there and we will jump across town to the theater workshop of Cliffsdale, a nice little building with a nice little stage and auditorium type deal inside. Currently in the lobby, we have Andy sitting in the corner in a chair, uh, and Anita, I think you have just arrived. So let's go from that perspective. I have one, well, Andy, let's start with you because I have an important question. Did you enjoy a burger upon getting here? Andy would have indeed enjoyed at least half of a burger. Yeah, okay. So I think, I think Anita walks up as Andy is eating a burger. There's a few other people here. It's getting close to start time, so there's actually quite a few people here. They're all uh, enjoying burgers in the lobby. Everybody's eating them. Cynthia, you don't see Cynthia yet. She's probably inside, but Daisy's walking around, you know, talking to people. She's in a real great mood. Hey, Andy. Oh, hey. Uh, how are you doing, Anita? How am I doing? Yeah. You okay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. Are you okay? Uh, killer hangover. Yeah. The, the absolute worst. I I don't remember a whole ton of last night. I, I, remember, I remember being really upset about something that Alice told me. And then I got really wasted. Mm. And then for some reason, I remember leaving my apartment. And going to the cemetery, and I remember knocking over the the Derek's gravestone somehow, and then I threw a bottle of whiskey through a church window. And uh, oh. you, you, and you and April were there, but I don't remember anything that that happened. Uh, mind mind filling me in. I I I will absolutely fill you in, but first. I don't think you should eat that hamburger anymore. Oh. I just and like as like he looks down at like how two thirds of it are now gone. Um she she takes it, assuming you don't fight her, she takes it no, from his just, hand and like throws it in the nearby trash can and then she reaches into her bag and has like a sandwich and she's like, Here, I don't think I, we should be eating the hamburgers today. N- no, I'm not really um feeling i wasn't really gonna finish the rest of that anyways and i'm kind of already feeling uh, not well yeah i have water there's an uno she hands you an unopened bottle of water yeah i mean he takes it and he basically chugs it so i think daisy speaks up and says okay all right everybody i know i know you're all ready to get in so we're gonna open the doors and everybody come in get a seat you know just down front it's they'll be up on the stage everybody just come in and sit down and you know, 
settle in for, for this, this fantastic night with this great reading from Cynthia. Everybody starts filing in to the auditorium. Do you, do you want to sit together? Yeah, I think that would be nice. Anita smiles and links her arm through Andy's arm. Perfect. It's just like old times. And Anita, you get some yeah. stare. Oh, go ahead. Oh, he was just going to chuckle and say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anita, just you get, like old times. You get some people looking at you and a couple ask about your face and, you know, you wave them off with niceties or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you do to get through the situation and y'all go down and you get seated. Uh, and just a few minutes later, uh, Cynthia walks out on stage and everybody gets quiet. And we look at Cynthia. Cynthia is, she's of average height. She's slender, um, has real short brown hair, like like really cut short and has some reading glasses on. And she's wearing just like a nice pantsuit, you know, looks comfortable, but also kind of businessy. Uh, she's standing up there and she, there's a sign next to her that's just a bigger version of the flyer, you know, and on the other side of her, there's a picture of, of the cover of the book, A Sound of Waves. And she clears her throat. And um, she says, hello, everyone. She said, you may have noticed this bandage on my nose uh, and the swollen eyes and nasally voice and wondered, oh my God, what happened to Cynthia? Well, let me tell you about this club that I recently joined. I'm like, nobody laughs. Uh, It goes over everybody's head. She's like, all right. Um, Anyways, I am so grateful to be back in Cliffsdale, uh, this back home, this town is wonderful and I miss it every day I'm away from it. And you know, there's just, there's nothing like sleeping in your hometown and there's just nothing better. She says, I'd like to thank Daisy Gordon who for hosting this reading after the last minute with truly, truly is a tragedy what happened at the ballroom and, and, with, and even more of a tragedy that happened with Rennie. And I know that, my thoughts are are with her as she is hopefully recovering and, and getting the care she needs at the hospital. Uh, you know, Sheriff, I just, you know, at, at, as an announcement, Sheriff Ortiz has asked that after the reading uh, to speak, to give in all the updates as far as that has gone, just to bring everybody up to speed in case anybody has additional information. So after the reading, make sure you stick around for the sheriff to, to speak, you know, uh, I'd also like to thank Jerry Steffi, who and she kind of looks around, she sees sees him in the back. Thanks to Jerry Steffi for providing these just delicious hamburgers for this event. And, you know, there are a lot of things I miss about this town, but those burgers are really the top of my list. And Jerry, I really, I had one before and I really hope you save me a couple to take on the road with me whenever I head out. And Jerry, you know, smiles and, you know, Oh, shucks a wave and you know she's okay with that uh oh, and she yawns real big she goes oh excuse me um with that all out of the way uh let's get to an excerpt from my new book a book inspired by this little town of ours a sound of waves and she clears her throat <clears throat> she says do you want to get high jocelyn burke laughed she didn't mean to and there wasn't anything particularly funny about the question but coming to the lake and getting high and having sex was her and Erica's favorite thing to do while in high school. So it was a reasonable enough question at the moment, but still they were adults now and the question struck her as funny. What have you got? 
They were floating atop the water of Memorial Lake. Their clothes were piled into a shared jumble on the shore where they had embraced in passionate intimacy before splashing into the water to float. The sex had been like high school, but with more care and awareness of how to navigate each other's bodies now that they were adults with experience. I have a joint in my pocket and my pants where there's some ecstasy back at the truck. Pick your poison, as they say. Jocelyn hadn't tried ecstasy before. It, it hadn't been a popular drug when they were in high school, and she had slipped into that boring side of adulthood after college where it was just work and going home to put on the TV in the background while you sat on the couch until bedtime to go back to work in the morning. She imagined her 18-year-old self rushing out of the woods uh, that rimmed the lake and holding her head underwater until the last boring light faded from her boring eyes. She laughed again and let herself sink beneath the water. She ran her fingers along Erica's back before gently pulling her, oh, goodness, excuse me, beneath the, wa- beneath the water for another, oh, my goodness, I am so sorry. Uh, I must not have slept well last night. Uh, and Cynthia yawns again real big and rubs her eyes, and then she kind of stumbles to the side and crashes into one of these poster boards that's up next to her and hits the ground. And... Andy, you would notice this if you were, not, you were not already asleep. And Anita, as you look around and notice that everybody in the audience has half-eaten or mostly-eaten burgers are all asleep. And we cut from there back to the water at the cliffs. As I believe Alice was submerging again because being, I don't know, being dragged or just going under. What, what's up? the plan? Actually, April, what do you see as you come up from the water? Um, I think I come up from the water just in time to see Alice diving back under. So, uh, I'm just going to follow because I really didn't get briefed on the whole plan. I'm just kind of here for it. Didn't have time. Man with gun. Eh, Details. Yeah. So I think Alice just goes under and starts swimming down. Um, I think that she probably sees a break in the cliffs. Um, that looks like maybe a cave underwater and she's like well that's got to be it because that's the only one i see so she swims down deeper and is pushing herself through the cave and i think she swims through what amounts to be a short tunnel um and she pops up on the inside and takes a huge gasp of air um, as she comes up and breaks surface and looks around to see what she sees all right april um did you follow back under? Yeah, so not okay. not not two moments behind okay. uh, Alice's surface. Okay. So does uh, April. Well, as you go under, you you know a bullet hits the water around you. A couple of bullets from Stephen uh, hit around you, and but then you're far enough under. It's not going to matter if he somehow learns how to shoot that gun in a <laughs> direction that would do anything other than shoot the water. Um, yeah, and you swim and I, you know, I think you'll both get into the cliffs and into the cavern. Um, you come up just behind Alice and you are standing there and it's pitch dark. Uh, but the the tunnel is small and it's pretty tight around you all. And it, I mean, there's water, you hear water dripping, uh, you hear the water behind you kind of the waves kind of coming up and down in the, in the, in the tunnel, the underwater tunnel you've taken. Uh, but yeah, it's real dark as you're both standing there. What, what do we do now? So the plan is that we're going to take these and she kind of like tugs on the rope um, to the end of wherever this goes. We're going to huck them in at whatever the hell's in there. You're going to run first 
and then I'm going to use this, and she takes the gun out of the plastic bag to shoot the canisters so they go up, and hopefully it does something to it. And then I'm going to try to run and not die of a huge explosion in Cave-In. That's the plan. But you're going to go first to get out of here. Okay. Sound good? I'm not arguing. Okay, I'm going to lead. She, like, holds the gun down and, like, picks up maybe, like, the rope, like, coils it around her arm so she can carry them in the other arm. I mean, it's, like, a lot of heavy propane canisters, so she's going to try to not drag them and make a shitload of noise, but also, like, if they're going to drag, they're going to drag, right? She maybe carries two of them and, like, drags the rest behind her on the other side um, and just starts walking in the fucking dark, I guess. Yeah, so... I'm not lighting the fire while I got four propane tanks fucking strapped to me. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So you all are making your way down through this this cavern in the dark. I mean, you can't really see. You are going a lot on filling and put, keeping your hands out in front of you and what your feet are hitting. And as you go, the tunnel kind of gets a little bit smaller, you know, where you have to crouch down. And at the whole time you're going, you feel you feel like a rush of air come from behind you and then come back out like in a breathing rhythmic pattern. You know, I mean, you notice it's like a breathing rhythmic pattern. Uh, and it's just, it's foul smelling down here. It smells just like mold and mildew and clothes that sat in the laundry for way too long before you got them in the, in the washing machine, but you make your way down and eventually the, the, it starts, the tunnel you tell starts to, gradually start going up at an incline uh, and you've, you've walked, you don't know how long, I mean, you feel like probably at least half a mile, if not more, as you've made your way through this, this tight tunnel uh, towards who knows what, uh, but the smell gets worse the more you go. And after a while you, um, you begin to see just a faint, like faint purplish glow very far off a kind of a bluish purplish glow in the distance as you're making your way through. And, um, yeah, we'll leave it at that for a moment. I mean, what, what is kind of going through y'all's heads and minds or y'all talking any, as you're doing this. I feel like we're in silence and analysis. Just as soon as she sees the glow, just says out loud, bingo. Like halves the canisters in one hand and like starts to bring the gun up in the other. Mm-hmm. And behind her, April starts like trying to untie the canisters that she has on herself. All right, so you continue to make your ways down this 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 tunnel. That I mean, it water's dripping on you from it, and every once in a while you hear something scurry past your feet or even cross your shoes. And um, just near the end, it gets a little tough to get through, but you get down, you actually have to crawl through to get to, to make it through the last bit and you come out and you are in, in this, I mean, big cave and you can see better because there is this bluish purplish light that's kind of filled the whole cave and you can stand up straight and it towers. I mean, the cave towers above your head. I mean, there's clearance of at least 20 feet above you. Uh, and as you look around, um, this purplish glow and you, 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 you finally see it. You finally see this, this thing that has been in your dreams, but it's not quite the same in the dreams. It was more circular and I mean like ball like, but what you're seeing here is this 50 to 60 foot long and about 
15 feet high, just mass of black writhing tentacles. And I mean, they're just undulating and it, it, it expands and you feel the air suck in from behind you, past you, and then it kind of deflates a little and the wind rushes back and you smell just this foul smell. And as you're standing there looking at it, it, it you're noticing that it is getting really, really hard to stay awake. Um, it is, it's, I mean, you're not, it's a struggle and you'll both have to roll to stay awake now. Which we can let let's touch first on kind of what goes through your minds as as you all see come into this thing. Um, what's happening in uh, April's mind is she's kind of having flashbacks through all of the dreams that she's had over the years where she couldn't remember the monster when she woke up. So it's not. Mm, She's not quite having like a, a PTSD flashback, but like pretty darn close to it because she's reliving every single nightmare she's had for years. And Alice. I think Alice is reciting what I, if I recall correctly, is the 23rd Psalm. Um, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want for he leadeth me to green pastures. Though I walk through the shadow of the valley of evil, I feel no doubt or I feel no fear. I think it is. She's reciting that like set of lines over and over out loud again and again and again to keep her awake. Yeah. And yeah, as, as you're both the two, as you're reciting and April is just remembering like all of these dreams over the years come flooding back. Let's, let's roll to see if you're overpowered by this, this feeling of wanting to sleep, this feeling that you've been aware of as long as you've lived in Cliffsdale, but is just monumental here. Who's rolling first? Um, I'll do it. Okay. And remember and remember that you're together. I mean, you can assist each other both oh. like however slapping or whatever. I just want I just wanted to remind you that you do get an extra dice if you find a way to help each other. So, so how are we helping each other first? Let's square that away. Uh I think, yeah, I think I don't Alice know. I, just gets stronger with her reciting. Like Yeah, but I mean like April, I, I, do you know it? Help me. Like, if you know the words, say them, it'll help you stay awake. Right, right. And um, April will start repeating them along with you. Yeah. Um, but, like, April could use a good shove or a good smack. She'll slap you if you need it. Perfect. Like, right on the face, just like a, it's like, it's not a, it's not like a, I want to hurt you slap, but it's a, mm-hmm. you need to be slap slap. Oh, yeah. It's a solid, Earth. it's a solid good one. Good. So you both got at least two dice unless your needs or wants or secrets flow in or to be sacrificed. I'm not sacrificing yet, but I'm using my need to gain one die. Okay, so as, three. As it is appropriately said for this encounter. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to roll three. I guess I'll go. I'll go first. Go ahead. Okay, I'll roll. Six, six, five, baby. Woo! Ooh. Ooh. All right, so Alice is going to stay awake. Good, because she's the one who had the plan. It's a shame I didn't roll three sixes, so I didn't have the devil's crit. It was one off. So close. A five and a two. All right, so you're both going to stay awake. Um, let's do that. How? So how play out how what you've both done helps you stay awake. I don't think April's getting like anything, you know, like, 
spiritually or emotionally from the psalm, but just the the repetition of words is helping her brain stay active. And then also just a good smack in the face. It helps. I feel like Alice is like, no, help me. Like say the words. They're, they're like the repetition will help, right? And then I think April maybe starts to be like, oh, I actually feel really sleepy because I didn't sleep last night. And Alice just smacks the shit over and he's like, no, <laughs> don't fall asleep. All right, so you're both standing there. Uh, you fought through the the wave of tiredness. I mean, you're not like wide awake. You are still feeling it, but you do at least both feel like you're in control enough that you can move forward with whatever task you're going to do to deal with this. But first, we're going to go back to the reading. Um, Anita, Anita, I want to hear what the first... Uh, nightmare that manifests into this auditorium full of sleeping people is. Is it? And um, if you need inspiration, I can send you a listener one. Sure. Okay. Send me one. Can it be like, can we just go all out now? Do whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, there can be a go. charging minotaur. Centaurs. <laughs> That was not one, but 85 centaurs. Just interpret that as you want. I'm actually going to send some of you, the rest of you, some stuff, and everybody can play around in this. Except for Andy. I've got special plans cooked up for Andy. Reverse centaurs, guys. It's horse top half, man bottom half. Have you been listening to Red Death? Oh, God. That is my worst nightmare. Horses Uh, are terrifying. Like horse arms on a humanoid body. Oh, God. Oh, man. Uh, James became my character. Went on a good like two minute spill on <laughs> reverse centaurs that he learned are, in the library of Exa- Alexandria. Horses are terrifying. They're monsters. They have spider legs and they shouldn't. I like the one that you sent me else. Okay. And we'll get, uh, so Kristen, you can go ahead and do yours and then I'll tag you other two. Oh my God. The second one is horrifying. <laughs> So, all right, Anita, uh, as you're awake, as everyone else has fallen asleep around you, except for Jerry, Steffi, and Daisy, you notice they are both awake and making their way out of the auditorium. I just realized who these were from when you sent them to me, Kent. This is gold. Yeah. yeah. Is Andy is Andy uh, asleep? Andy and everyone else in the building is snoozing hard. So what is the first nightmare that you see? I mean, it's from just some rando. I think as Anita looked around and realized what was happening and remembered back to what Alice had said about, you know, Steffi and Daisy being shady. She doesn't make it obvious that she's awake. So I think she kind of sits in her chair. She doesn't close her eyes all the way, but she sits still. And as she's deciding what to do next, she looks up at the ceiling and crawling up on top of the ceiling toward her is like a small humanoid um, that is very disjointed. And it's crawling just a little too fast and it stops above her and looks down and its head spins almost all the way around. And then it smiles this really big grin and it has very sharp teeth. And then it just crawls all the way out towards the front of the auditorium. Yeah. And you hear behind you as you're trying to be asleep or pretend you're asleep, 
you hear a thud as it drops from the ceiling on top of a Cliffsdale resident, and then you hear teeth sink into a face. Yeah, I do. And we're going to go to Andy. Andy, who fell asleep I mean, pretty easily being hungover and whatnot and having ate one of the burgers that was laced with the prescription-grade melatonin that Daisy broke into the pharmacy and stole the night before and convinced Steffi to pepper over the burgers as he cooked them. You fell asleep and had a nightmare. Nightmare stretching it a little bit. Actually, it wasn't a nightmare at all. You had a dream that you were back in high school. It was just you and Derek at lunch, talking, having a good lunch, you know, school pizza with corn for some reason, because it's a match a pair that they put together, square pizza and corn. And you, then you're just talking about whatever you're having. You're recalling, Derek's recalling uh, the most recent football game. And you get pulled out of sleep from the screams of someone having their face chewed off. Uh, and you wake up and Jay, what does he see first? I'm glad that you asked me. This is which this isn't what's happening to Andy, but what does no. he see first? So I think, so I'm not going to use one. Of, I'm going to use one of them, but not the good right. one that I'm saving. Cause I want to use it on a very particular person in this, on that stage. In fact, okay. Is asleep. Um, so I think Andy sees, um, Oh, it's so good. So you wake up and you're like, at first you're like, I'm in the theater and you worked there in high school. Right, Andy? So like, you're like, oh, I must have dozed off. I like had a really rough day at school. And Derek was talking about that thing. And then you look over and in the empty seat on the other side of you. um, So Anita's on your left and on your right is there's an empty seat, but now it's not empty. And Derek is sitting there. And that's exactly what I was going to (laughs) do. You're like, Oh, Derek's there. That's great. And then he turns and looks at you and you're like, something is wrong about Derek. I can't tell. Maybe the mole is supposed to be on the other side of his face. Something's not right. And then he just starts, he like smiles at you and you're like, Oh, that's Derek. It's my best friend. That's so nice. And then the smile keeps going and you're like, Oh, that's a little weird, but okay. He's really happy. And then it goes from really happy to creepy. And then his mouth just keeps opening wider and wider um, until basically the entire, he goes full, what's it? Katana is the Mortal Kombat character, the big mouthy. So he goes full big mouth and then he, like his head just goes and then he's got teeth, like knife teeth. And then you look at him and you're like, oh shit, Derek's going to eat me. Do I need to describe a reaction or are we just going to salt? Andy here with uh, no, you're good. Horrible visit. I think it's just. I think it. I think that's what you see. Yeah. So it's on you. I mean, how does Andy react to seeing Derek? Well, first of all, I mean, when he sees Derek like that, I mean, he flips like backwards out of his chair, like screaming and like backing himself like across the floor, like trying to stand up and like get away, um, only to probably bump into another sleeping person. Um, well, bumps into someone, uh, and looks up and sees Derek standing there. A different Derek or the same Derek? It's, it's not the same Derek, but it is Derek. And he screams again and starts like trying to go the other direction. 
Yeah, and as Andy stands up and looks around, I mean, Andy is seeing just Derek everywhere. Uh, yeah, Andy, um, just like, I mean, if he's seeing that everywhere, at this point, he's just like, he just like starts like screaming, like falls to his knees, like visibly, violently shaking and just uh, very terrified. Well, I think wide mouth Derek gets down on one knee next to Andy and says, Andy, hey, Andy, bud, bud, hey. And it's big mouth is just, I mean, moving at the same time. And it's like, hey, what's going on? Obviously flips the fuck out and like tries his best to like take off out of the theater. Um. And okay, let's do the roll to see if you get away. Or... Oh, good. Uh, okay, two d six. One d six, unless you got unless you got something. I want or a need. Do you have my list of those things? Because I, I do. don't remember. I do. Uh, one second. I just had it open. This Let's is what it. happens when you don't play mechanics. Also, fun fact, Trevor, that is from Steffi. Yep. Creator of the, I have the Steffi list. That's amazing. Ken sent me the list from the creator of the game, which but, is. Um, so, which I just fired them off randomly. Uh, your need is Yoshi, which I guess, I guess Yoshi's there. Uh, no, no, he's at the well, house, right? Yeah, oh, I guess could. you could have left Yoshi at the house. Uh, your want is to discover why Cliffsdale has people rarely leave and why people sleep so well here. I don't know that either of those apply. Well, if your need is to have, wasn't your want to have Yoshi close to you? So, if you're trying to run away, you could be trying to get back to Yoshi, conceivably. If you want a second dice, that works. Uh, we'll, we'll take the one dice. Okay. We'll see. Oh, boy. We'll see what happens. All right, what is it that I need? Uh, five or a six. Oh. All right, here we go. Don't fail me. A five. All right. So tell me how you get away from, from wide mouth Derek as, as he grabs onto you and pulls you in and is like, Andy, Andy, that, I, I don't, what happened? Where, where have I been? whatever whatever like so he he grabs me and like lifts me up kind of a thing or is he like pulling me close to him i think he's just pulling you closer i just thumbs in the eye sockets and like like push it away and then just like take off screaming running to the to the doors of the theater all right um anita are you waking up or you know waking up air quotes since you're so already awake do i it, do i witness any of this oh i think so it's happening right thing? i mean i think i think andy stumbles over you at first yeah. and you see other derricks pop up too uh anita's first concern is do steffi and daisy notice or are um, they gone they have made their way out. I mean, they're probably near the back of the auditorium, which um, as they're trying to make their way out, I think, Kate, what do they encounter as they're trying to make their way out? Ooh, they encounter uh, what had initially looked like just a regular Cliffsdale resident um, has slowly morphed into more of a terrifying old hag um, who is stalking them just like aggressively stalking them like ducking behind columns and behind chairs and um anytime they like turn around and look they see um this just long like stringy hair like bunch of bald patches just 
not a whole lot of actual human and uh like they every time out of the corner of their eyes she's just she's right there she's behind them and then um she she runs at them and and it's clear like Steffi tries to to make a play like um like Andy just did like going like thumbs for the eyeballs and she just starts cackling and like leaning into it she is thrilled out of her mind that they're fighting back yeah so that's that's what you see uh nita and i think i think steffi is freaking out too screaming you promised me i would be safe through this you promised me we'd get out of here yelling at daisy and you know cursing and just going off as they're dealing with this so what's up anita i think She's really creeped out. So Anita is, is extremely creeped out by this. And I think her thought is we need to get out of here and possibly make it to the cliffs. Like that's just what's going on in her head in this moment. Like we need to make it out of here. We need to see if April and Alice are okay. So she is going to take the gun out of her bag and run up n- try to run up next to Andy and like grab his arm or his hand or something so that they're together as they're leaving. And as they, assuming he allows her to do this, oh, as, yeah. as they leave, she's going to shoot at Daisy and Steffi. Ooh, okay. I was going to have you do something else, but that works perfectly. Um, okay. So Anita, you were going to shoot at, um, you're going to shoot at Daisy and Steffi. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy, you're running there along with, with Anita and you get grabbed, you know, you, you, you get grabbed by something as you're mm-hmm. running. Anita, you, you all both take off and Anita, you go to shoot at Steffi and Daisy. So let's have mm-hmm. that roll. Okay. Uh, I don't have, like everyone else, I'm sorry. I don't have my needs and wants. So um, I know that one is to keep everyone together. Right. To keep everyone together and to gain as much knowledge as possible about the history of Clistow. Nope. I don't yeah. think either one of those are helping me. Okay. That's okay. It's a run by shooting. I mean, you're all together. Oh, five. So. Okay. That works. All right. So who do you shoot? I'm trying to think of what Anita would know, not what Kristen knows. So... Well, you heard them saying. Right. So, and I heard Steffi saying to Daisy, right, that you, she promised. So I, in that order, I'm shooting at, Steph, at Daisy and then Steffi. Okay. And I would um, imagine it is like one quick shot each as we're getting out because I don't want them to follow us. Yeah, I think you can hit, uh, you can hit, I guess you can hit both of them. So where do you hit them both? Uh... Maybe Daisy, like, in the leg, in the thigh, and I think Steffi, like, in the arm or shoulder back. Okay. I mean, she's not, like, a skilled shot. These aren't going to be, like, headshots. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're just shooting in that direction. They're just, yeah. I mean, you're probably not going to kill anyways. Let the monsters behind us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so yeah, they go down, and um, Steffi was the one that was wrapped up. Well, yeah, Steffi was the one that was wrapped mm-hmm. up with one, so 
yeah, I think that horrible, awful thing uh, takes out Steffi. And I mean, just what does it look like, Kate? That's your creature. Um. So given that it was whatever this monster was, was, you know, basically disguised as an old woman. Uh, I would just really, really enjoy if she pulled out some like very, very sharpened knitting needles that just stabbed Steffi to death. Yeah. Steffi, who I feel compelled to say is, was not named after the creator of this game. I don't think. <laughs> no, it was not. I, I actually named it after a client in yeah. my business. Very coincidental. Hey. But <laughs> all right. Um, so yeah, you all bust out the door and with that, we're going to jump back into the cave and, um, yeah, you all have fought through some tiredness, and now you're standing here with this giant, writhing black mass that, as it moves, you see just flashes of gold light kind of shoot out from between the, the folds of the tentacles as, as they're all writhing, and it's emitting this, this purplish-blue glow off of it. I mean, I think the plan is to blow shit up, right? Yeah, I think Alistair starts yeah. untying. Um, and I think she says, like, all right, so once we get all untied, let me get a head start on the throwing because I've got more. Once your two are out, run and get out of here as fast as you can, all right? Okay. And Allison starts untying all the stuff, like, get, unlooping all the stuff from her belt. April follows, too. She holsters the gun on the one side. Um, and then grabs two containers and looks at April and looks back at the thing and just like, how far away is it? From the entrance where y'all were, it's probably, I'd say 35 feet or so away. Okay, we're totally good. Yeah, so Alice just like double hucks two propane canisters at it and then grabs the other two and assumes April is grabbing hers at this point and just whips mm-hmm. them and then yep. grabs for the gun, trains it on one of the containers and waits to hear April running behind her as she draws a bead on one of the containers. Like, and April takes off. And as April's running, I was like, draws the bead on the shot and goes for it. Okay. I think as, as you do that and as April starts to run, um, I think April takes off and as she's running, uh, she makes it into the, into the tunnel and is making her way. And I think she runs in, you know, down the way she runs into Steven. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Steven with, with his gun and but Steven, Steven put his gun in a Ziploc bag to keep the water out of the powder. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> I highly doubt it. Yeah, Steven's not smart, but. She runs into Steven and Steven, I mean, you all can't see very well. Uh, so basically Steven has his, like the cell phone out with the light going and he sees you come running up and, and yells, you know, and yells, God damn it. So just stop and pulls the gun up at you. How close am I to Steven when he pulls it? I think you're pretty close within six or seven feet. Uh, I'm going to risk it and keep running and tackle him. All right. Roll for me and see, yep. see how we go. Two. A two. All right. Finally. <laughs> Finally failed. Okay. So, somebody um, has to fail. 
All right. Let's think about that. Think about what how you have full control over your fail, what you want to happen with it. So take a moment to think about that. And let's go back to Alice with the gun trained on, on the propane tanks. And um, I feel like I got to make your roll. I mean, it's, it is yeah. a dis- it is a distance for a handgun, you know, yep. and I think just as you're, I think just as you start to pull the triggers, when you hear Steven yell, yeah, just stop or God damn it. Just stop or whatever. Yeah. So. I don't care about him. Um, so I, uh, can I have a die for training the shot and taking the time to aim? Yeah. You planned on doing this. So yeah, I did. I'll give you that. I'll give you that one. So I take that die. Uh, I am going to sacrifice, sacrificing a need or a one gets you two dice, right? One. It's only one to sacrifice it, but also one to use it. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to fuck it. I mean, this is the, this is it, right? So I'm going to sacrifice my need to destroy this fucking horrible monster to get a total of three dice. Oh wait, no, it does add two. You're right. Sorry, we does add four two. dice. Yeah. Four dice. I'm not going to say anything about that except that I have four <laughs> dice because I don't. Wanna... <laughs> I'm going to roll the first three and then we'll roll the last one because I found another die. So, uh, oh shit, uh, two six five three. Okay, so I I got it. I guess dope. You got These it. These aren't cursed. I rolled the ones out, I guess. <laughs> All right. So do we want to end this little bit or, well, the main point of it with something good or something bad? Who wants to go first? Actually, I think we, I think you shoot and then you'll go find what went down yeah. with, with, with uh, April and Steven. Yeah. So um, do you want me to narrate it? Yeah. Take it away. Okay. So I shoot. And the gun goes off and you hear, and I hear Steven from the distance yell, oh shit. And then um, there is a, like a ting, a loud tang noise. Um, as the bullet smacks into one of the containers, like dead center. And I'm going to assume that a pressurized propane container probably explodes when you shoot it with a bullet going at, at a fair speed. And they do in video games. We apply yeah, the same logic. Yeah. So we're doing <laughs> video game logic here. So the thing, explodes um and the first one exploding sets off a chain all six containers go up alice smiles uh gun in hand turns and fucking just runs out of there and uh because cool people don't look at explosions um the explosion goes from behind her and uh we hear what sounds like probably a thousand people all at once screaming as loud as is humanly possible as this thing wakes up to being burned alive in a gout of blue fire. And since I'm given license, it's, it's like it sets on fire. The thing is burning. I don't know how effectively, but it's burning. And yeah. Alice tries to get the fuck out. Yeah, you may get a little further down the tunnel as all of that's happening behind you. And I mean, your ears are ringing from just the, the sound of it echoing all around the chamber and through the tunnel. And Kate, what is he? Well, not what say, but, um, Kate, what does Alice come up on? Uh, how, what, so I fail. How badly do I fail? Because I'm gonna, I am gonna give. We know I you. did not succeed at tackling Stephen, but did Stephen get his shots off? Um, I'm gonna give it to you for what you want April's fate to be. So what? Like how bad? Like is the failing? Is it not? tackling just not tackling steven and then we can go from there and let alice arrive on the scene to help out or is it you fail in a way that is really bad for april 
so I'm going to say that the way that the tunnel is, you know, kind of like cramped and small and, and probably reason like there's probably a reasonable amount of like dew and moisture in the air because of the way it's situated as an underwater cave tunnel. Um, April takes off, tries to launch herself at Steven, but at the last moment, her foot slips out from under her. She kind of just face plants. And Steven, only being capable of shooting fish in a barrel, tries to shoot April in the back and manages to clip her side. So, like, at most, she has maybe one less kidney and it's going to hurt like hell, but he's still really bad at shooting things. God, yeah. so bad. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's what Alice runs up on. And I think Alice is screaming because her ears are ringing. Yeah, I mean, uh, you get a little more light from all the explosions in the back, so you can see pretty good what's ha- what's happening here. And Shit. as Steven's, like, fumbling with the gun and, like, trying to... I think she just, like, clicks it and just aims at him and just bops him, right? She doesn't even think about it. She just She's going to try and drop him. Yeah, I feel like we don't have to roll for that. <laughs> this even sucks. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a lethal shot because she doesn't want him to suffer, even though he's a piece of shit. Yeah, like yeah. one, be- one between the eyes, and he's down. And then yeah. she goes to help April up, uh, and like helps April like on her shoulder, like puts the gun in the holster, and like helps April like gets her arm over her shoulder if she lets her, and like mm-hmm. arm around April and tries to help her through the tunnel. Um, April's not fighting. Yeah, I think she tries to drag April like kind of because it's it's not wide enough for us to go two people, I think, at the same time. So I think she's mm-hmm. like kind of dragging April by going first and pulling April behind her on her side. And she tries to hoof it because it's about to get bad in here. Okay. So we cut back as you all are making your way out to the reading. And as Anita and Andy are trying to make their way through. And uh, Trevor, what is one thing that Andy sees happening to something awful happening to somebody across the room in a mist of awful things? The one thing that catches Andy's mind, Andy's attention. We've already made it outside, right? Uh, you're about to burst through the door. Okay. So um, as we're, as we're looking back, another person has well, two other people inside the theater have woken up one of them it's a it's it's a man and a woman uh who andy would recognize their husband and wife um and the husband is looking at the wife in like horror as like this woman's face is like disfiguring like a her nose gets really long and uh, her her skin tar- starts to turn this awful shade of green, and her skin starts to crack, and her eyes turn this glowing red. She basically looks like the Wicked Witch of the West, and uh, she just kind of pounces on him, and like her claws, she like grows claws and just starts like slashing at him. Um, so yeah, you all burst out and into the street, uh, the street that's before the theater workshop there. And, uh, I want each of you to tell me just something just really, really fucked up that you see. I mean, go wild with it. (laughs) You go first. I really want to use this nightmare, but I also want to reverse centaur so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't think it's enough. Um, I don't think it's enough. I think, um, so I think, God, um, 
Oh, who else is here? I need Which, a, like a town NPC. So I think there is a um, Anita. Who is the person in town that you are the most afraid of? Oh, um, the person in town Anita is the most afraid of. Uh, it's not going to fit the scene. It would probably be Alice's dad. Okay, so there's a person who looks like Alice's dad, but not quite right like different enough like the jaw is not quite right and he's probably not quite as skinny or as tall um and he doesn't have the like look of gravitas about him that alice's dad has and you see him um there's like a a person right that looks a lot like him so like a guy who kind of looks like alice's dad and you realize it's not her dad it's this it's like there's two of the same guy and the one that is the one is like crawling away on the ground and the other version of him like steps toward him real slow and deliberate and then reaches his hands down. And I'm going to need y'all to let me know now. Does anybody have a skin thing? Cause a skin thing is about to happen and I don't want to go too far for anybody. Kent, you're going to have to content warning this. Thank you, Steffi, because this is great. Um, he reaches <laughs> his hands down and grabs the guy at the edge of the scalp and rips the skin off of his face and the front half of his body. And then proceeds to turn it around and like stick it to his face like a fucking mask. <laughs> and then he just sits down on the ground and like is smoothing it over his face. <laughs> All right, Kristen. Um, okay, Kristen, are you okay? So I'm. I'm gonna... It's funny. I think she thinks it's funny because she's laughing. That's so fucked up. <laughs> so that, that happened. That happens as Anita and Andy burst out of the theater workshop. They are confronted with a scene and as this thing with a new face that is, I mean, similar to the face it already had turns to them, the ground starts to shake. It starts as a little tremor first and just multiplies and gets bigger and bigger. Uh, I mean, the, the shaking becomes violent and you're both kind of thrown to the ground as it's happening. And as you kind of back away, you, you turn around and see that, that this like purplish blue light kind of comes up out of the, like around the theater and the cracks in the ground that are around the theater and the theater itself just begins to collapse in on itself and then slowly crumbles and you hear the bricks and everything raining down around it as it crumbles into a hole in the ground that wasn't there. And this, this nightmare face stealing creature takes a step to you uh and begins to shake shake and and shiver as well and as it's reaching out it just kind of collapses into a puddle of of earthworms on the ground oof <laughs> and I mean, at this point andy's speechless i mean i'm trying to think other than peeing herself what anita's doing <laughs> and, and we and we pull out from there and we Pull out, we see the big hole that the theater workshop has collapsed into. And I mean, we hear screams of people that were trapped in the rubble. And we see just throughout town, there's random things. There's there's a reverse centaur that is going down the road that crumples into a pile of earthworms. And we see a group of small five children that are standing, walking down a street, collapsing on themselves into a pile of earthworms and all throughout town, these nightmares are shaking and shimmering and dissolving and and all throughout town. There's just these piles of earthworms where these nightmares stood. And 
the camera flies out over the cliffs and we see two figures pop up out of the water, uh, one arm over the other. And they float there for a minute and then start paddling, start paddling together the 250 yards it's going to be to get to a place where they can climb out of this lake and begin to start climbing up the cliffs that are not quite as sheer as the ones they jumped off of just earlier in this evening. And I think the camera begins to fade from that as it pulls out over this small town of Cliffsdale, South Carolina, as a number of its residences ha- residents have been crushed beneath the weight of the theater workshop of Cliffsdale, and another number have been murdered by their worst nightmares in the night within their homes. And the camera pulls off, and we fade. And if this were a movie, there'd be a title card with a few weeks later. Cliffsdale is reeling from this disaster. Uh, a number of its residents have been killed or injured. Um, but probably one of the worst things for them is people are for once having trouble sleeping. Sleep doesn't come so easy. People who are used to taking naps, one or two naps during the day, aren't getting that at night. They're tossing and turning just fitfully as they try to sleep. They get sleep, but they don't get good sleep as this thing that has had a a hold over this town for centuries is gone. And it's, it's, Feeding off of the sleep of the residents is no longer happening. Sleep doesn't come so easy to the residents of Cliffsdale going forward. So let's check back in with our characters. Who wants to go first? So we see Alice um, sitting in an apartment um, in somewhere else. Uh, We don't know where. We see her sitting with Tabitha. and uh, she's laying her head in Tabitha's lap, um, and the dogs are like piled on either side of her on this big couch. And um, she looks up at her and smiles like real genuinely. And Tabitha looks down at her and smiles down. And she says, um, "I can't believe you did it." And I think Alice just looks up and smiles and says, "I think it's time for part two. And then Tabitha picks. We see Tabitha stand up as Alice moves her head, pick up the phone, and uh, she makes a phone call. And I think we, there's like a filter over it, so we don't hear exactly what she's saying. And then I think that's it. All right. Andy? Um, so town has sort of resumed to normality. Um, Andy hasn't slept in a while. Um, I mean, he might get 20 or 30 minutes here and there cause just because his body absolutely shuts down and forces it but he hasn't been able to sleep willingly in a very you know since since the events of uh what what happened um he's up in front of uh class it's call it a wednesday and uh he's he's teaching something about beowulf again uh just because he hasn't had time to come up with a new lesson um and there is a um, so the doorway to the classroom opens, and it's all very silent. Like nothing, there's no sound to this until uh, a police officer walks through the door. Well, two police officers walk through the door, um, and they walk up to Andy, 
and uh, they uh, they they say, uh, uh, Andy Baker, could you come with us, please? And he gets this look on his face. Um, it's like, I, I'm in the middle. Andy replies, I'm in the middle of class. And the police officer says, Andy Baker, you're under arrest for the murder of Derek. Um, give me a middle name. Somebody give me a middle name. <laughs> uh, William. <laughs> you're under arrest for the murder of Derek William Halverson. Uh, you have the right to remain silent. And then like that sort that conversation sort of fades out. And then it would fade in again to a later period where um, Andy's standing in a courtroom with an orange jacket. Um, and there are, you know, reporters and all that stuff. And then, uh, and then it fades out again to Andy sitting in the corner of a prison cell uh, with his knees kind of like tucked up to his chest and uh, very like deep purple like circles under his eyes and uh, it fades out from there. Uh, so the camera pans down. It's early morning, just just about sunrise. Um, you know, the the sun coming up through the trees is beautiful orange and you see, you know, birds flying in the distance. Uh, the camera pans down over the apartment complexes and zooms up onto the apartment door that we know to have been Andy's. The camera continues, it goes in and turns through the, um, the archway to the living room to find not Andy, but April, uh, asleep on the couch, curled up with Yoshi, uh, with the the TV on, like you know the streaming service menu playing in the background, as though they had just perfectly happily curled up and fallen asleep the night before. And uh, Nita. Uh, so I think, I think we see Anita looking much more like she did before the events back in some regular clothing um, with an eye patch over her left eye. And she's kind of moving through town, um, just smiling at people. Things are being rebuilt and everyone seems like it's normal, you know, like we're just making updates to the town. And she goes to the library, she goes home, she reads, she doesn't sleep very well, but she still seems pretty cheerful. And then I think we see her at the police station and she's talking to a police officer and we can't hear what she's saying, but she's, but she's nodding and he's writing things down. And then she looks over to where like Andy is and he can't see her, but she points at him and she nods. And um, then as she's leaving, we see her go by Alice's old apartment and kind of check and still no cars. So she looks a little, it's the first time we see her look a little like sad. Uh, You get the idea that she probably comes by here regularly waiting for the day that Alice returns, like she said that she would. Um, And then I think we see her go back to her routine 
Um, and she just is pretty cheerful looking. Yeah. Can I add one little thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. In your mailbox about, mm, let's say like six weeks after the incident, maybe two or three weeks after Andy gets arrested and tried, there's a note in your mailbox. Uh, it's a letter. It has no return address. It's addressed to you. You open it and it says one more month. Oh, then I think perfect. So she sees that and she goes and she sits back in her garden and she looks down and she smiles at it. And then she kind she has this like daydream where Alice is there and Tabitha is there and April and everyone's smiling and hugging and the dogs are there and it has that like glow of light, you know, and everyone's really happy. And we just leave her there sitting in her daydream of everyone being together again, except Andy. Poor Andy. And so we pull out from this sweet daydream uh, and we, we rise above Cliffsdale one more time to see it as it is now with things being rebuilt. And it's a nice day. The sun is out. It's, it's seasonably comfortable. You know, you need a nice jacket to go out, but you don't need to layer up too bad, even though it's early November and Thanksgiving's around the corner. Cliffsdale looks peaceful for once. I mean, in the past few weeks, it looks like things are getting under control. Um, and we begin to, the camera begins to shift down towards the south of town and it comes in on the church, the church of wayward sons and daughters. And it settles in, uh, it settles in behind a tall, lanky pastor with wearing a nice black suit as they open up the, this shed in the back that's beyond the graveyard. And we follow in and we see this stone casket laying on the ground. And we hear the reverend's voice, Charles, I think you can wake up now. And we close the door on this chapter of Cliffsdale and this game of We Die Here. And oh, so, man. Oh, God. Wow. <laughs> With that, I would like to say thank you very much to Steffi, Devon, for connecting with me and providing this game that led to, to this just amazing experience uh, that I think we've all shared here. And just thank you so much for that, Steffi. Um, I know they've been following along and listening and had very, very awesome words for us all. So that's very much appreciated. As much appreciated as my players for this amazing game. And before I let you all out of here and, and to talk about yourselves a little bit, uh, do well, one more time, as I've told you all, you all are as much of building this as I was. And it wouldn't be where it was without any of y'all. And I sincerely love every single one of you for being part of this game and making it what it is. So now you can say your words and I will let you go get rest. Uh, we're going to thank and glorify before we let you out of here, our wonderful game master for this game, Kent, uh, who has been helping us through all of this, um, you know, helping us schedule everything, recording all this stuff, putting everything together um, and really helping us bring together a cohesive 
amazing story out of this uh out of this incredible game that we've all shared together so thank you kent and i think i can say for all of us that we sincerely love you for participating in this and getting all of us on board ditto Um, you're here all right see yourselves out (laughs) (laughs) i mean yeah i appreciate it i'm gonna miss this for now, but me too. I think we all are. We let's, are. Let's do some show business, and then we can, you know, talk a little bit more after. But um, go around. Let's go around. Everybody, say who you are, who you were for this game, and where folks can find you. We will start over at my right with Trevor. Hello, my name is Trevor, and I have been playing Andy Baker. Um, you can find my podcast, Dungeons Deep RPGs, on Twitter at DD underscore RPGs. If you want my personal Twitter, you can find that at GM underscore Dungeons Deep. It's been an honor playing, and I can't wait till the next one. Pop on over to Jay. Uh, hey there, everybody. My name is Jay. Um, I have been enjoying inhabiting the twisted mind of uh, Alice Beckett, um, who I think is the tabletop role-playing character that I have enjoyed playing the most ever. Um, you know, she was a really cool experiment for me in, in doing something complex, and I feel like that really was so fun. Um, you can find me on Twitter at theyj, J-A-Y-H, um, where I talk about the stuff that I'm doing. Um, and so I'm working on games. I'm like playing on role to play. Sometimes there's a podcast in the future, um, for me with role to play that will launch eventually, I swear. Um, and that's super been super fun as well. Um, and you can generally find me here cause I tend to show up even more as, as time goes on, I tend to show up here increasingly. Um, so I'm sure you'll see me again here sometime. And it's been a pleasure to be here. Kristen. Hi, I'm Kristen, and I have been playing Anita Morales, the town librarian and stage five clinger, who just wants to be with her friends forever. (laughs) (laughs) This has been my first horror game, and it's been a fantastic experience. I'm a little concerned that uh, it's going to ruin other horror games for me. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at KristenIsNoJedi. You can also find me here on the Roll to Play Network. I have a new podcast that is launching soon it's possibly out by the time this airs called powered by the players Uh, it's a podcast that features mini campaigns of all your favorite powered by the apocalypse games with a very diverse cast that rotates Uh, you can also find me over at diceupgames.com where my partner and i play hack and design games take it away kate uh hello hello my name is kate i was have been having a delightful time playing the broken and or woken April voice in a, um, this, uh, this has been so much fun. I just, am still completely in awe and delighted that y'all wanted me to play with you. Um, some of my previous work includes the, uh, first unofficial kids on bikes podcast bike brigade. Um, and I am going to be joining Trevor, uh, on the upcoming next season of the space agers, which is a kids on bikes and teens in space cast. You can find that on Twitter at the underscore space underscore agers. And you can find me myself at the, uh, nope, no, the, you can find me myself at Argon, A-R-G-O-N, kitten, K-I-T-T-E-N. 
All right, and I'm Kent Blue, your host and game master on this here show. I don't know, whatever. I'll cut it all out. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Visit Row2PlayPodcast.com for more information. R-O-L-L-2PlayPodcast.com. Like us over on Facebook at Row2PlayPodcast. Follow us on Twitter at Row2PlayPod. Have a question or comment? Email us at Row2PlayPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to play with a game with us, just hit us up on any of our social media and let us know. And lastly, our music is the intro track from the Spellbreaker EP by Triatachion. Visit soundcloud.com slash triatachion.